This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my dear friend, Wynn Evans, and he talked to me about the general fundamental state of well-being. It's something that he has spent a lot of time thinking about and uh, studying, and uh, in more ways than one individual study, and he's even recently taken a course um, on well-being and finding your own well-being called the Finder's Course um, that he talked to me a little bit about. Uh, so it's really something that's at the forefront of his uh, mind and being and thought processes um, all the time right now. So it was really nice to get to kind of pick his brain about it. Um, and there, I, I'll tell you, I, I had a smile on my face almost the entire conversation because everything he said was just so... Um, profound and uplifting and um, there were a few times I found myself getting teary-eyed either by like um, something that just really hit me emotionally or something that I found to be really beautifully profound so I felt a pretty wide range of emotions during this um, and mostly just wanted when to be able to kind of like speak about his own experience and kind of echo some of those sentiments um, from my own experience um, and so I think this is a really, really unique, cool episode, uh, and I hope that everyone really enjoys it, because I know I did. Um, Wynn sent me uh, uh, some other resources for anyone who's interested in the kind of things that he was talking about in uh, in the episode for you to seek out your own um, process of well-being and finding the place that makes you the most spiritually happy um, and, uh, the biggest takeaway from this is definitely, um, loving yourself. And I think that's really awesome and, and important that that's kind of where all of this landed is, uh, knowing that you deserve love and the place to start with that is yourself. So big, nice whole takeaways from this. So I hope everyone can enjoy this as much as when and I did. Uh, some very quick plugs. Thank you to everyone who contributed to the Nerdlogs Kickstarter. It is successfully funded. That's awesome. I'm so jazzed. We have um, a little less than a week left, so if you want to get in on the fun, if you want a copy of our game, Fisticuffs, go throw us a few bucks, and uh, that will be yours for the taking Um once we get all the prints made and sent out to everyone, uh, we're, we couldn't be more excited and more uh, full of gratitude um, for everyone who has helped us in this process. Um, so this Friday night at 7 o'clock, we're having a big party to celebrate our fifth year as a group existing as the Nerdalogs and to celebrate the fact that the Kickstarter got funded. So just... If you're interested at all, come on out to uh, the Cards Against Humanity Theater. 
That's at 1917 North Elston. We're going to have beer from Sweetwater Brewing. We're going to have some food, but you can bring your own. We're going to have grill. Um, we're going to have some outdoor games. It just should be a whole lot of fun, and we just want to hang out and party time, party time. No shows, no nothing except camaraderie, and uh, it's we're calling, we're dubbed it the High Five uh, it's our fifth year anniversary and we just want to pass around all the high fives and hugs and love to everyone who has taken that journey with us. Um, so if that has any interest for you at all, that's this Friday, the 26th of June at 7 PM. Um, ongoing plug the fishbowl 930 at the annoyance theater. That's every Thursday night. Uh, and I love that show so much, and I find myself coming back to it more and more in terms of the joy that I get from playing with the team that I'm on and the joy that I get from uh, watching and facilitating new improvisers and watching and facilitating uh, veteran improvisers. It's just, it's been so much fun, so I just really strongly encourage, uh, if that sounds like fun to you at all, come check it out. The basis is that students come uh, annoyance theater students come put their IDs into the fishbowl that can get pulled out and then they get to play with vets and teachers and people that they probably wouldn't get a chance to play with otherwise. Um, and it's been, it's so much fun to see those kind of worlds collide and see everyone just getting along, uh, famously and there not being this weird separation or, um, hierarchy and just everyone having fun and improvising together. Um, that's enough of that. If you're listening to this, the day it comes out, Wednesday the 24th, tomorrow I'm doing I'm recording my next episode with Liz Caradonna on advice columns. So if you have any advice-seeking uh, desire, if you would like to write into an advice column that my dear, worldly, intelligent, wonderful, beautiful friend Liz will be responding to, um, please follow the link to the Google form that is in the description of this episode, uh, and fill it out and we'll read it on the show and address it. And it's going to be a lot of fun and really interesting. I can't wait to kind of pick her brain. The things that she considers herself kind of, uh, not necessarily an expert, but the things that she feels like she can speak towards the most, anything relationship related, anything job related, general life, um, etiquette type questions and um a few other um things beyond that she's a marathon runner she is a, she works for a uh a marketing firm she's been in a, a long-term relationship um she's moved around from a few different cities in the country uh boston is where she was based before she was in chicago so if any of that kind of resonates with you if you think you'd love to pick her brain about something get at her that's tomorrow, so this got a short life lifespan. But if it's after tomorrow, if it's like next week, if it's the first of July, you can listen to that episode and see what the fruits of our labor were. Uh, I think that's all I got. Come out to the party Friday night at seven with the Nerdalogs. Just hang, have fun, camaraderie, and enjoy this episode. It was really beautiful. Wins an amazing dude. And uh, I think there's a lot to be said for finding your own happiness. Uh, and it, it seems like such a simple thing. But 
And I th- truly think it can be. So, don't complicate it. Just let yourself be happy. Enjoy. Videos online. I meditated. Um, really? What kind of meditation do you do? Or is that kind of go? I will, go? Okay. I will definitely get into that. Um, <laughs> then why don't we just like, st- I'll just intro you. Okay. Um, and we'll get started instead of beating around the bush. Because everything you would want to be talking about is applicable. <laughs> Uh, so my guest today is Wynn Evans. He's been a dear friend of mine for nigh on two two years now. Twenty thirteen, yeah. Hell yeah. Right. Um, on. and he's gonna be talking to me about uh his love of well general human well being, which yeah. I think is awesome. Um, and I'll let Win kind of uh, intro that a little better. The first question I usually ask is, what do you feel like your origin of the love for this topic is? Um, the origin of the I'll love. Stay right up on that, right right up on here. that puppy. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm assuming we can edit this in post. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I'll> <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, well, the origin of my interest in well-being or happiness is rooted in <laughs> the fact that for a very long time I was very, very, very sad and suffered a lot, as humans are wont to do. Sure. Um, and you may be familiar with the term, if there was no suffering, there's no enlightenment. And, uh, that, po- yeah. and that points to the, f- the fact that our suffering, human suffering, is here to wake us up to our happiness. Cool. It, it uses a pur- it's a purposeful thing. It's not a meaningless why god why thing Mm -hmm. if you actually understand suffering's purpose in your life it actually is it's the mud that the flower grows out of so to speak that's awesome so but you gotta you gotta really be fed up with the mud for that flower to grow and i was fed up with the mud you know i spent so much time in suffering and i wanted out like a lot of people like everybody does yeah no one wants to suffer yeah, but I think that it um I think there are a lot of people who just accept that that's what your li- their life is or mm-hmm. what life is in general. And so I like the idea of using that as, you know, inspiration and getting so tired of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> finding another way to uh when do you feel like that like kind of epiphany starts happening? Um I would say in terms of like my my spiritual journey, mm-hmm. I think the first stage of it before I even knew it was a spiritual journey was a quest for romantic love. Okay. That was my big thing yeah. all throughout my childhood years. I felt very inferior, very unworthy of love, very thinking that the way I felt would be somehow cured if I had the love of another person in my life. Somehow that would solve all my problems you yeah know, the, the old another story. thing that i don't think that you would be alone in yeah. in any way i think every human being uh, yeah. can can resonate with that on some level yeah it's uh, an easy thing to to point at and say this is what's making me unhappy is that i don't have someone to who loves me or who i can love yes like and and once you define that problem you're like i can solve that problem right. i just need to find someone to love right and then i spent years trying and struggling <laughs> to get someone to love me <laughs> and then Aww. in college i met someone who 
we did fall in love and you know for a while it was great mm -hmm. it was what i thought it was good i thought that was the end of my troubles sure and of course it wasn't <laughs> right, because right right another human being cannot complete you because that is a fallacy to think that that would solve the problem in the first mm -hmm. place on its own yes <laughs> um and i specifically what got me i guess on the actual i'm doing quote hands yeah. spiritual search is um one night just while i was in the midst of this relationship we were separated um over like a winter break mm -hmm. and i was lying in bed at night and i was just this unbelievable terror washed over my being it was the most terrifying feeling i had ever experienced just it was just like i'm going to die oh that was the no terror. that was it because this person can't say help me yeah so therefore i'm going to die therefore and then from that moment on it was i must know the truth I must know wow. what is true. I'm, I must, there must be something more than this. So you just had kind of a spontaneous like dread mm -hmm. that, uh, okay, so how did that affect your relationship? Well, <laughs> um, you know, I think both of us were a perfect match for each other at the time mm -hmm. in our energies. Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, we both fed off each other in a negative way but it was good yeah. and bad you know because it was it was it was you it, enable it one another it wasn't coming from a place of fundamental well-being it was coming from a place of this person can try to complete me and i can try to complete them but it's never gonna work wow so that's so eventually you know we we broke up and you know i still i still have very fond appreciation for her Aww. um as I think most people do when they look back on a relationship, especially one like that where, like, you did, you know, you love one another and uh, can ostensibly, you know, those are really, like, not advanced things, but, like, complex things to be able to define and talk about in terms of, like, you knew that you were good for one another in a lot of ways and bad for one another in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. you know? We were kind of energetically codependent yeah. is a term to use. <laughs> we kind of fed off each other's negativities, and it just became kind of this existential mess. Wow. And, you know, naturally, I think we kind of both intuitively realized we, we got to gotta part ways. Because wow. this isn't this isn't beneficial for us. Yeah. And then, so that happened, and then... I was, you know, I was like, oh, well, now to find someone new, <laughs> of course, right. go right back to the <laughs> Right, right, right. The, the, the only problem there was just that it wasn't the right person. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, there's infinite other people that can complete me, right? <laughs> right. Did I just pick the wrong one. <laughs> um, so the, for the next um, three or so years, I continued my spiritual quest and read all sorts of spiritual books and tried to figure out what the truth was and watched all sorts of teachers on YouTube and And this is still while you're still in school for yes. part of it or Yeah, I was um I was in Chicago for a semester and then back at uh, Kenyon College in Ohio while and this you all was did happening. Did you comedy studies? I did. I did the comedy Very studies program. Cool. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out Shout Second out. City Comedy Studies. Um Cool. I think I knew that you had done uh, comedy studies, but I mean that kind of thing, like uprooting yourself from a familiar environment into uh, an unfamiliar one, can also um, 
I feel like kind of shake some uh, self-realization type desires out of one. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and so I was in Chicago doing this whole thing, and mm-hmm. you know, I met I met certain people, and I connected with them, and of course, they drifted apart, and it was this thing of like I was still looking for uh, sure lo- someone else's love. So I was basically looking for someone else to love me the way I couldn't love myself. Sure, I just think that is such a like common experience <laughs> i would say if you are a human being listening to this you have that experience yeah <laughs> you, or you have had it <laughs> right 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 or yeah you don't know that you <laughs> you live it mm-hmm. um and you deny the fact that you do mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all yeah it's all you know the whole the going back to the the lotus flower in the mud mm-hmm. uh, you know we need that mud and then from that that unconsciousness we make it conscious and then we can actually find that love for ourselves within ourselves and then radiate it to everybody for the benefit of all hell yeah i agree with that so wholeheartedly um so do you feel like so you were trying to read a lot spiritually mm-hmm and explore that aspect of your life and betterment instead of still trying to seek for another person or along with i think it was more of an along with situation i was still i was seeking for this thing called truth and i was also seeking for this thing called love gotcha okay so in your mind love interesting Mm -hmm. so they were two different things for you they were two different things now they're not interesting (laughs) okay absolutely truth and love are synonymous Love that. Uh, so what kinds of things did you really find yourself gravitating towards as like spiritual um, kind of like beacons? Hmm. Well, I'd say th- the 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 first significant shift I would have from a state of unconsciousness, muddiness mm-hmm. to conscious blossoming. Okay. To use the metaphor. Cool. Um, I love it. Was I was it was in during comedy studies and I asked my teacher at the time, Jet Eveleth. <laughs> and nice. if Jet, if you happen to be listening to this, bless your your beautiful soul. She does endlessly. have a beautiful soul. Beautiful, beautiful. From everything that I've witnessed, she's crazy in like all of the best ways to watch. Bless her heart. <laughs> and I was asking her about improvisation, and she was very freely sharing with me. And she said, "Oh, by the way, um, I recommend this book if you, you know, improvisation is all about becoming present, right? Well, this is a book about how to become present all the time cool. in your life." And she recommended *The Power of Now* by Eckhart Tolle. I've heard of *The Power mm-hmm. of Now*. And that book, the first time I read it, um, it sparked a very deep recognition in me, somewhere within me. Where I said, I don't know why this is this feels so resonating true. So yeah, much. why does this resonate so much? But it does, and wow, it feels so true. That's fucking awesome mm-hmm. that that came out of that experience. I think a lot of people um, would be really intrigued to know, especially people like outside of this comedy, you know, world would be intrigued to know that that's something that like you could discover and experience as a result of this, like, essentially study of way program to do comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And, like, I mean, uh, it's, it would take someone like Jet, who would, is 
willing to be like touchy feely and 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 um a little more like creative as opposed to just uh structurally you know instructing there's an art to it you know right so and i always got the impression when i was in jet's class that she was teaching us comedy but she was also a spiritual teacher absolutely without question because class was she technically teaching she taught the physical theater class cool um the clowning and the voice and the breath work and all the physical stuff finding characters through physicality and things like that i'm sure but also um using teaching us that improvisation is all about you're enough you are are you as yourself are enough and I think the reason I love improvisation so much is because I kind of view it as a microcosm of the of our spiritual lives or of our lives in general. What's the difference? Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> what do we have if not our spiritual lives? Yeah. <laughs> um, all of the constructs yeah. and BS. <laughs> yeah. All the, all the <laughs> stupid stuff. We slog through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All the crap. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and. Viewing, view, I think what really in, uh, intrigued me or resonated or was made, ignited my passion about improv so much was just it was freedom. It yeah. was freedom. The first time I improvised, I still remember it was freedom. It was celebrating. Now I see it as a celebration of infinite possibility. Cool. Improvisation oh, is abs- what a that's great what like is. pull quote. Mm-hmm. Improvisation is a celebration of infinite possibility. Mm-hmm. Man. And as if life isn't, but yeah, but sure. Improvisation is Even a microcosm. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's an it's a little world within that wider Im- infinite world, and it's just a place where we can express ourselves that way, celebrate our infinite creative potential, our imagination, our connection with everything with the divine with everything that's awesome that's really great so you feel like so this is something that you landed on via jet and via the this power of now Mm -hmm. and yeah uh the power of now i read that book i read it like eventually like 30 times really maybe more wow um, because it i just i was trying to dig the truth out of the words you know what i mean sure yeah um and Reading, reading. Digging through that dirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta dig through that dirt to get to the flowers, baby. You know it. You're not gonna grow some flowers out of thin air. <laughs> uh, and great. and then um, so I was going th- through that, and then I left comedy studies mm-hmm. and became subsequently very depressed. Yeah, um, I can imagine. Went back to the cold Ohio uh, liberal arts school, Kenyon right. College. I went to which I'm very grateful for in my in my journey. But at the time, I was, oh, man, this I sucks. Get back. Like, I'm studying Aristotle instead of studying clowning. Right. Like, this is the worst. And I, you know. Uh, did you do any improv at Kenyon? I did. That's okay. where I started. Okay. Um, I was part of the uh, uh, college troupe there. Shout out to the Fools on the Hill. Fools on the Hill, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Fools on the Hill, Kenyon College. Check us out. <laughs> we don't have a Facebook, but uh, <laughs> check us out if you're Maybe ever like in Gambier, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Got to put this up on some uh, Kenyon College uh, student boards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, cool. So you went back, felt unhappy, unfulfilled by what you were studying at mm-hmm. the time. And then subsequently. You were a philosophy major? No, I was a uh, theater and then later film major. Cool. Um, but I was, you know, I mentioned the Aristotle because I particularly didn't like Did that not class like Aristotle. at Got all. It. I just didn't care. I was like, uh, who cares who uh, the forms and the, who, does anyone care about this knowledge? Does this really make me happy? Yeah. Does this make anybody happy? Yeah. I don't know. So subsequently, <laughs> I, f- I went on a whole pity party um, <laughs> ego trip, like, oh, the world's out to get me. You right. know the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, it was sure, kind sure, of a sure, dark sure. time. And, you know. Were you, this was in your junior, junior year? Junior, yeah. Second semester of my junior year. And isn't that all? Isn't that the toughest, the man? That's the one. That was it for me, man. Yeah. That was it for me, too. That's when I was like, I don't actually think I can go to grad school <laughs> for chemistry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now I have to figure out what I'm going to do instead. <laughs> yep. And more of the same my senior year, um, more ravenous searching for truth whatever the hell that is mm-hmm. um looking for deeper meaning looking for happiness fulfillment all these things looking that's the key word looking not finding cool um searching in the external world for circumstances that i believe will make me happy and mm-hmm. never never seem to <laughs> which is odd isn't that funny <laughs> isn't how your external circumstances never never seem to satisfy you isn't it uh so you get a lot more of the same throughout your senior year yes and i was at this point you know watching a lot of eckhart's uh, youtube videos which are great he gives a lot of talks and you know a bunch of teachers um a guy named adya shanti uh gives a bunch of great talks that i enjoyed at the time um shanti adya adya shanti adya shanti uh, adya shanti <laughs> <laughs> um He's a twe- teacher of n- non-duality teachings, is what it's called, and I, I guess Eckhart is too. It's all, it's all just terms. It's all the same thing. But anyway, mm. I remember there's this one specific, um, one video I was watching, and some somebody said just one sentence, and I don't recall what it was, but it triggered you. Bam, and the truth I was looking for was suddenly known really Mm -hmm. and looking back on it at the time i didn't really know what it was Uh looking back on it it was kind of a micro spiritual awakening wow it was a recognition that i am not just my body i am not just my mind i am not just my circumstances i am something far far greater i am that which contains all of those things that is so cool and I thought that for a while, and I was so excited to share that with everybody. Sure. And what happens, though, um, is when that realization occurs, there's no g- – it takes – there's a, an embodying process. Okay. You may realize this ex- uh, on some experiential level, uh-huh. but it's not grounded in the body yet. Okay. So what happens – or what happened for me was I had this recognition, but then I wasn't embodying it. I okay. was still I was still looking for confirmation from the outside world that what I was feeling was true and correct. Interesting. And, and I was waiting for everyone around me to see their own insanity before uh. I could <laughs> be the light and shine and radiate for the benefit of all beings. Interesting. It's backwards. Yeah. Because but it's you know it's very innocent. You think, oh well, I can't 
I, I've discovered the secret of how to not suffer. Uh-huh. I've discovered this truth. Uh-huh. Now I can't be happy until everyone else has discovered it, which is never going to happen. Right. It's never going to work because right. your circumstances are a mirror. They're not, they're not, oh, well, if I change everything out here, then it'll be all good in here. It's mm-hmm. I change myself internally and see that change reflected yes. in the circumstances. Yes. I that's something that I've thought about a lot recently um in terms of just like uh uh the state of the country mm-hmm. honestly that like I think that I you know often people get so downtrodden by feeling so helpless and um I think and I I was uh, listening to uh, Mark Maron's interview with Obama um, yesterday, and he really like said some things that invigorated me where that is concerned. He said, like, basically to paraphrase, he said that like he has a great amount of faith in the American people and that they know what is like right and just and like have all of this common sense and reason and compassion and that the problem is that the mer- that those like values don't easily translate into policy because of the nature of our the like institution of our like congress and government and i was like that is both a uh, reassuring thing to hear um the president say but also a depressing thing in terms of like this seemingly is like the pr- most powerful person uh, to be able to turn those things into policy, but even then, you know, with the structure of everything, he was lamenting that like it's nearly impossible to right. to achieve that. And uh, obviously, there are myriad reasons why that's the case. But I think one of the reasons is that our governmental structures are what I'll call old paradigms. Yes, they are. They're based on the notion that. Each individual cannot take care of themselves. Interesting. Based on the notion that they need something external to protect them. Mm-hmm. They need they need some sort of reassuring parental governmental entity. Because the government is like mommy and daddy, right? Sure. And we have to be good boys and girls and <laughs> fit into the government. And that's just the kind of our energetic situation uh, in, in the world is right now – I think if we all were self-actualized, fully realized, aware, awake, radiant beings, yes. all of us, yes. government would cease to exist. We would not need it. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, and I do think that the the more that people – I guess that's yeah why I started into that little like um, tangent in the first place is I think that like – um, I had I was having a conversation with my dad on Father's Day, and he was like, "What do we do about it? Like, what do we do to?" Uh, my parents live in South Carolina, so mm-hmm. we were specifically um, talking about the recent events and tragedy and bullshit and hatred in Charleston. Um, and he was like, "Okay, n- then what do we do?" And I was like, "I don't know, but all I know is that I'm gonna try to be the most compassionate." understanding um best version of myself that i can try to be because that's all that i have control over Mm -hmm. and i and like 
it seems that just seems to go kind of like hand in hand with what you're saying as a general like rule that like starting within ourselves is is uh, pretty imperative. It is the imperative. <laughs> you cannot start anywhere other than yourself. And if you do, you will know nothing but misery and strife and strain and stress and pain and nothing will improve for the better for anybody except for maybe on a kind of surface level. Sure. But we're not talking about surface level change. We're talking about radical, the awakening of humanity <laughs> yeah. change. Yeah. Which, by the way, we, if you're listening to this, we are awakening as a, as a species. And the fact that you are listening to this is confirmation of that. What is it? What it like? How? Wakening, um as a we are more and more recognizing have you noticed that the more things get bad the more things get good simultaneously in sure. the modern world sure that's kind of going back to the the mud and flour uh-huh um situation what's what's happening is the mud is getting to a critical state we have all Interesting. these seeming problems we have all this negative energy uh-huh and we're slowly coming to the fact to the realization that this mud is here to bring the flowers forth uh -huh. and more and more people are waking up to that fact uh, all the time you know back let's say 2000 years ago only a, f a handful of people realized that the buddha jesus <laughs> you know the Sp big the ones. spiritual leaders yeah the big guys mm -hmm. and it was kind of like analogy is like those were the the flowers that were able to were grow at that time interesting but now we are in the midst of widespread flowering people are waking up to their their true nature all over the planet and uh, it's going to continue happening it is continuing to happen mm -hmm. and the mud that we see is just fuel it's fuel for the brilliance for the radiance i love that man what that's such a like beautifully optimistic way to look at it and um I, I i don't i hate to take it back to that again but that was something that like that was something obama like focused on a lot too like his his outlook was very optimistic and like you know mark marion is like a dyed in the wool pessimist so yeah, he was yeah. just like you know kind of hounding him a little like how can you still see it this way and like he basically in so many words said i don't see any other option like that's that's a really key key point it's getting the reason it's happening at such an accelerated rate at this stage in our planet's evolution is because there is no other option it's evolve or die it's we come together as a species or we d go extinct it's pretty simple yeah it's cut and dry it's love or fear <laughs> so what do you feel like took you from that like eureka moment in and you know then trying to like seek out that eureka in other people um wh where did where did that like kind of stop and you actually were able to like make self actualizations i guess 
Could you repeat that? I'm sorry. Um. So, uh, you're saying that like when you felt um when you had your like eureka moment of um realizing your spiritual being and like the whole being greater than the sum of its parts and not just really just like plodding through life. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said that you kind of looked for other people's uh realization of that as well yes yeah um unconsciously unconsciously i didn't know i was doing that but i was sure sure so do you feel like there is a time like what helped you realize that you were doing that like how did you get out of trying to think about other people's was there another like big aha moment that kind of helped you look more at yourself as opposed to comparing yourself to other people or well i think it was a series of aha moments um, kind of precipitated by the fact that even though I had this revelation kind of awakening moment where Mm -hmm. I realized that I wasn't just this limited body and mind, I still wasn't happy. I was Mm -hmm. still suffering. That still characterized my experience. This thing known as suffering. I, I just, I didn't feel relaxed. I didn't feel embodied i didn't you know i didn't i wasn't integrated and that's what kind of kept me to not give up because if you have an awakening and you're like okay well mm, i gave i had one awakening and now it's everything is everything is still bad so i guess that's just my fate and i'll resign myself to that sure no don't give up right don't give up keep going you can find it you can keep going i can tell you that you you can find it human beings are set up for fundamental well-being that is our birthright uh that is absolutely what we are here to be and embody yeah i wish that (laughs) uh on a personal level i've said this to um my boyfriend that um for a long time he didn't think that he deserved to be happy oh that there we go and that that is really i'm so glad you said that he and he expressed that to me really early on in our relationship and to to get like even more personal about it uh he would probably hate that i'm talking about this but he um he told me that i mean this is kind of a dangerous uh entry point um in terms of um, what we've already talked about, but he told me that his happiness in our relationship helped him realize that he could be happy in so many other aspects of his life. Yes. And it really did, uh, even though I was like an external factor on his life, it really did like make him turn um, a little more internally and go, no, fuck this. I do deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. So, So it's something that um you know every once in a while he'll mention again and i reiterate that he always deserved to be happy and that everyone deserves to be yes yes um and the reason i'm so glad you mentioned that is because that was kind of the final belief structure that was keeping me from embodying my realization it didn't matter how many times i had transcendent experiences. It didn't matter how many times my mind went completely silent and there were no thoughts. It didn't matter that I could sit in meditation for hours. That didn't really matter because on a very, very deep level, potentially lifetimes, I who knows, I held this belief, I am not 
worthy of love. I am not worthy of happiness. I'm not worthy of what I desire in life. And I would say that facade crumbled fairly recently, probably in the past two months really? or a month. Wow. Um, that was really the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of um, my embodiment, you could say. I am so glad uh, to hear that that's where it landed. But, man, hearing, like, it's just so heartbreaking. That is a heartbreaking thing for someone to feel to me. Because, I, <laughs> I, like, I don't know. It feels shitty. To s- I've never felt that way. Mm-hmm. Um, for and one that's lovely. That's for beautiful. one reason or another, I haven't. Like, happiness is so... And joy is so imperative, and um, I think, for one reason or another, inherent to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so hearing, <laughs> and you know, uh, that's one of the reasons why I re- started talking about my relationship, because that was one of the first times I'd heard someone just like say that to me mm-hmm. that they didn't feel like they deserved to be happy. It's absurd, by and the way. And that they didn't <laughs> feel like they deserved to be loved. And granted, this is someone who makes me very happy and that I love very much, and vice versa. But at the same time, anyone saying that is so disheartening to me. And and like you said, I think absurd as well. There, you know, it's just it's so. <laughs> such a disheartening like thing to be able to convince yourself that well it wasn't even i wouldn't even say it was a convincing um i think it was honestly it was just that was my journey my journey was creating this kind of this universe in which i wasn't worthy of love and then going through the trials and tribulations and and trying to find the truth and blah, 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 and then still not feeling that, and then realizing, ah, that <laughs> I was am. what I was missing. <laughs> right, right. That's what I was missing. So you, okay, so you were trying to work towards this place where you felt like you could eventually be, like, worthy of yes, love. Yes, exactly, and that is a dangerous dangerous game because you will never ever find your worth in the future your future your future does not your worth is always now you are always you are never more worthy than you are at this moment you are always loved you are always worthy right now no matter how you're feeling no matter what you believe you are always worthy because we live in an infinitely abundant beautiful loving universe there's no other option and you can believe that you're not worthy of love and it won't change the fact that you're loved and love is always waiting for you as soon as you let it into your heart it's 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 right here that's really gorgeous man and i i i fully am on board with that i truly believe you uh and uh, or i truly believe that that's true as well um that's awesome so you said that you've recently had this kind of full like realization of this and uh right before we started recording you mentioned that you have um in the last few months been taking a course on well-being yes um i would seem like a decent time to yeah, talk about time. that um so i had been speaking um 
to this teacher who very generously offers his time uh, to speak with people who are in pain and you know, talking through spiritual matters and all these things. Uh, his name's Nirmala. Check him out. He's a really Nirmala. great guy. Yeah, Nirmala. He's a, a very loving man. How did you find out about this guy? Um, I've, it's one of the books. I picked up one of his books off of Amazon, and I really enjoyed it. And then I saw in the back that he offered uh, mentoring. So That's I, amazing. Yeah, and I, I talked with him, and uh, he was helpful, but there was still that sense of lack, that sense of something's missing, something's wrong, that, you know, the hole that sure. feels like it's it can never be Shel filled. Shel Silverstein, mm -hmm. the missing piece. Yes, the missing piece. And... So I um, was, you know, I was doing all these spiritual modalities, processes, trying to fix myself and make things, you know, get get what I wanted, and you know, all these, all this running around. Sure. And it wasn't working. And sure. then one day, which is something that like for different people looks different. Mm -hmm. I think you oh, know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Like to you, trying to quote quote fix yourself was. Uh, through trying to j seek out um, the secrets of your own spiritual spirituality. Right, and, and some people don't give a crap about that, and their spiritual journey is getting a Jaguar or right, becoming a, a famous movie star or whatever it is. Exactly. It's all the same. Exactly. I was going to give the same example. For some, for some people, it's just how much money can I make. Right, and, and that's, that's, just as much as, that's just as valid as a monk trying to gain enlightenment by sitting in a cabin. Sure, like, and seriously. for some people, it's like this 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 journey for a family or um you know it's 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 just everyone everyone's background and self is different in a way that makes that desire a different one or that journey or search or fix quote unquote right. a different one it's 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 all the same journey but there's infinite journeys within that <laughs> journey and we are manifestations individual manifestations of that infinite journey that's all culminating in, in you know a similar place in a similar place um so i speak in a nirmala sure and i was you know i got to this place where like all these modalities didn't work i still didn't have anything i wanted I where does he live how do you talk to him um he lives in arizona it's just over he offers phone calls um that's awesome. he just gives you a call that's so um, great. Recommended uh, if you if you're so inclined to give Nirmala a call. I was just curious yeah. of like you know what medium this took. You yeah. Know? Um. And so I I basically was very despondent. I was like I kind of realized like the bottom fell out of my of my what I thought my life was. Sure. And I asked him, is there we we were s we had spoken for like an hour and then uh, kind of as an aside at the end I was like oh by the way before you go is there any retreats you could recommend because I had never gone on like any spiritual retreats really cool and I was wondering if maybe that would be helpful something and yeah, he said uh, well um, this is kind of last minute and you might not get in but there's this class online called the Finders Course um, that if if you want to you should you should sign up for or he actually didn't even say that. Um, he just sent me the link to a video of the guy who runs it, who's a um, social scientist, neuroscientist, um, awakening expert extraordinaire, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Martin. Um, and I saw the YouTube that he did. He did a seminar. And basically what Jeffrey Martin 
has dedicated the last decade of his life to is a scientific study of higher states of consciousness. Awesome. Absolutely groundbreaking, mind-blowing, revolutionary stuff. It's actually, he has developed a protocol that can bring people to a state of fundamental well-being. The academic term that he has developed is uh, ongoing non-symbolic experience or persistent uh, non-symbolic experience, okay. which can be referred to as fundamental well-being, enlightenment, mystical states, higher states of consciousness. There's a bunch of different terms for basically happy for no reason, joyful, at peace, <laughs> fulfilled, filling the, the hole inside uh-huh. permanently with uh-huh. no looking back. And he's developed this. So obviously I was interested. Sure. Because I was tired of doing things that didn't work. Right. And that's one thing about the spiritual marketplace. Everyone's uh, technique is the one that's going to work for you, sure, right? Sure, sure, sure. Because people, it's, it comes from an innocent place where people at the technique. What works Yeah, for what them. worked for them. They're like, I want to share what worked for me sure. to everybody. But it's way more complicated than that. And yeah, and like, um, and that's like the optimistic way of looking at it. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure there are some people out there who are just full of shit mm-hmm. and just want to make money off of people. Potentially. Um, you hope there's not. And yeah. That's definitely, like I said, the more pessimistic way of looking at it. Right. And there's those people and then there's people whose heart's in the right place, but it's just the fact that each uh, individual human being is so endlessly complicated and sure. complex. Our nervous systems are all infinitely unique in their own ways. There's just no way that – and. There's just no way that like if and our individual um, experiences, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. it, our it journeys are all yeah, completely not even unique. Yeah, yeah, like the the biological aspects are definitely one thing, but um, combining that, you know, combining nature and nurture is just like there are no two people <laughs> that look the same. Right, which is why, like, for example, there are people who meditate in, let's say, vipassana style meditation. For 40 years. Vipassana? Vipassana, um, which is a, a body scan style meditation. Okay. Where you slowly bring your awareness over every... Each part of each your body. Each part of your body. And that's a technique that does... Is proven to work for many people. But, but like constantly for 40 years? Yeah. Is <laughs> if you don't resonate with the technique, but you've been told this is the only way to do it, uh-huh. then you may be just working a technique that's not going to that actually make give you any progress towards actually being fulfilled and happy but you s- continue grinding because you think i haven't done it enough i just yeah. haven't done it enough yeah and so that's one of the common pitfalls that uh jeffrey has addressed in this course he's basically he went across the globe and um did recorded in-depth interviews with all sorts of people who were reporting this kind of the wow. freedom and he sat down with them for like eight to 12 hours at a time and just asked them very specific questions like what what's your memory like uh-huh. what's your cognitive you know what's your cognitive function like all these questions designed to really pinpoint what actually changed interesting and then he asked them what the techniques they used to get work there and then from the research certain benchmark or like landmark you gold look standard techniques they rose to the up. top so what happened in the research is he f- 
had this list of techniques like this technique worked for the most percentage of people this one worked for wow. a high percentage of people yeah and then i mean i can't even begin to imagine how much work this was yeah to do it all sounds this exhaustive you said uh, over the course of like a decade mm -hmm. yeah um since like 2005 i believe so is he just getting to the point where he's actually like teaching these things i mean i was just like keep yes I'm an um, idiot. <laughs> so after you were doing fine on your own <laughs> <laughs> so um i think a few years ago he started the first his first experimental protocol for this um sis uh, the, you know for the methods that he found most effective from the research mm -hmm. he wanted to test them out on just normal everyday people mm -hmm. and see what happens um so he kept the sample size very small in case like they all went crazy or something and what uh normal everyday people in terms of like just ordinary run-of-the-mill you know uh you know housewife banker okay. not, not necessarily people who came to him looking for help or no not necessarily um just just people that he was in contact with people that he was able to find that were interested in this kind of stuff cool and basically what happened was they he was not expecting this to happen he was expecting them to go through the course do all the stuff and then follow them for years and right. see if they eventually shifted into a state of fundamental well-being sure. but what happened was almost all of them did within a very short period of time it's insane it, it, it it's it's remarkable yeah it's i honestly i i hope this stuff is in the textbooks of uh future because it's truly remarkable stuff um, that's amazing mm -hmm. he's he's found a formula for enlightenment <laughs> for lack of a better term persistent non-symbolic experience is the academic term persistent non-symbolic experience mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what can you like define what that means to um in an academic sense and or like to you in a sentence or two yeah um basically what it means i mean there's a lot of aspects to it i'm sure but basically it's a fundamental shift in how you view what you consider to be yourself okay so so it does go back to kind of that moment of you know you're you're not just your that you had yes, in college absolutely. you're not just yeah. your mind you're not just right. your body and what happened with that is i i had this awakening but i had no way to verify it scientifically so i just was like maybe i made it up maybe sure. it didn't actually happen but with this it did it did happen it's scientifically verified other people have gone through it other people are going through it um but basically persistent non-symbolic experience just means you or I should say, let me backtrack, people who are not in persistent non-symbolic experience or an ongoing non-symbolic state only know themselves to be their body, their personality structure, their belief systems. That's, that's it. There's sure. nothing, they're not their environment, they're not, th it's just a very tight circle of identification basically sure. you identify your with your job your job or right. your education your possessions your you, any family, basically anything friends. external you that's that's all or anything material let's say anything material okay thoughts feelings beliefs jobs families friends that's all you are that's your identity right persistent non-symbolic experiences you're that and 
you are the fundamental awareness that contains all of those things. Interesting. So yeah, man. So, so for that's example, like I don't I don't see this cup that I'm holding. I'm holding a cup for uh, all <laughs> the listening audience. I don't see this cup that I'm holding as something other than myself. It is within myself. It's within my conscious awareness. Because we're, uh, yeah, What? Uh, how else does it exist? Right, exactly. Unless it is a part of your own experience. <laughs> please please uh, try to find something uh, in your experience that's outside of your experience. Right. It's impossible. Right, there right. Everything that exists is within your experience right now, uh, or else how would you even know? Yeah. So that's basically, in a nutshell, what or it is. Or else, there's like... What are we doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are we? Yeah. Well, and it, it's very mysterious what we are yeah, because yeah. I can say I am the awareness that contains all things, but that's also a thing that appears within that which I am. Sure, sure, right. It's it's a mystery. If you yeah. really get down to what awareness is, it's the most mysterious thing in the entire universe because it's entirely without substance, shape, color, form of any kind, and yet it it's everything yeah it's completely paradoxical and it must sound like complete gibberish to people <laughs> who are not experiencing it like this but that's that's the way it is because it has to be experiential i cannot believe you in or i can't give you a set of beliefs and then you'll shift because that's just more thoughts that's not awareness sure i can tell you all these things but in t unless you actually find the practices that work for you to sh make this shift, it's never going to happen. Sure. And that's what the finder's course is all about. It's a very, it was a very, or it is, you can still take it by the way, if you're interested um, there, it's a, a very practice uh, intensive course. There was almost no um, like it wasn't designed to fill your mind with more thoughts about what enlightenment is or whatever. Interesting. It was designed to, you sit down, you do the practices, you see if they work. If they don't, great. You'll find some other practices that work. Wow. If they work, great. Continue. So it gives you some kind of like outline of uh, a syllabus or like a set of what do those practices look like? Um, well, there it was a 15-week course, and each almost every week we got a new practice um, that arose from the research. Okay. So there was a ton of stuff. Um, there was what well, something called, um, you know, I don't know if I should give the exact details cause it's kind of, it's, you know, this is his kind of intellectual uh, property. property. Sure. Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah, we got, yeah, I mean, I don't I definitely don't need specifics, just like curious of like, you know, is it a lot of meditation or a lot of like, yeah, um, various meditation practices, various, um, kind of awareness practices and then there's also um positive psychology exercises too which was prevent um they found that doing all these intense meditative practices can freak people out sure. if they're not prepared for it sure so if you have that positive psychology baseline you're much less likely to freak out and have what's called the dark night of the soul <laughs> um, which seems like uh, kind of what you had when you. Um, oh, I know what a dark night of the soul <laughs> is. Yeah, trust me, I've had multiple dark nights of the right. soul. Right, I just was thinking of your um, uh, in college when your um, the person you were dating was out of town. Yeah, that dreams. was yeah, that was my first dark night of the soul. Well, actually, it wasn't. There was I had 
a very similar experience when I was like eight of the same thing. Like mom, dad, I don't want to die. I'm terrified. Wow. Yeah. So that's been happening for a while. <laughs> but the program is designed to eliminate the scariness and make it so that you're actually excited to do this stuff. And that's you're not great. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Because so I, th- I do think that that's something that could drive people away from, um, and you know, any of the stuff that we're talking about is the 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 fear of, you know, Icarus flying too close to the sun. Yeah. What if I like go insane? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or even or even uh, letting the journey take you into um, the negative things as opposed to the enli- enlightening and positive Yeah, or things. like just what if what if I experience something that terrifies me s- so badly I never leave my house again right. and like stuff like that. Right. And luckily that didn't that didn't really happen. <laughs> That's good. Um, so I went through the whole um, 15 court, week course. 15 week course. Actually turned out to be more like 17. I think they added they packed some on at the end there. And you know if various shifts did happen, awakenings, blah, 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 energetic shifts, etc., did happen. And I, st- I got to this place where the course ended and I was depressed again. Really? Yeah. And I was like, what's going on? I'm no better off than I was after this intensive practice than I was 15, 17 weeks ago. Sure. And that's when I realized, oh, I don't believe I'm worthy. I don't believe oh. I'm worthy. That was it. And then as soon as I really saw that and how absurd that is, it fell away. That's great. Yeah. I'm so glad. Yeah, me too. It's it's nice. <laughs> it's nice knowing that uh you don't you don't have to be inferior to be alive. That was really what it is. I my personality structure fed off of being inferior to others. And that's just kind of how it's set up, for at least for me, and for um, millions, if not billions, of other people on this planet. Sure. Feeling, feeling less than, for whatever reason, in order to maintain your insanity. And uh, I think that that feeling of less than manifests itself in completely different ways for com- for different people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like your feelings of less than, um, for instance, uh, we're, <laughs> we're in a community full of comedians. Um, most comedians. The kings of the less than. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Most comedians operate from a place of Feeling less than, so they try to compensate for that by getting people to laugh at them, to pay attention to them, all of that bag. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Ad infinitum. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but not everyone operates like that. You know, some people, their feeling of less than translates to them just turning the opposite of that, you know, turning totally inward and just not even bothering to interact with people um, because why, you know? I did that for for a long time. I I had this idea like, oh, I'm this spiritual being and I can't, I can't, I must sit quietly and be a perfect spiritual being. Bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) This is bullshit, what I am saying. Uh, I went through it so you don't have to. Please, if you're doing that, stop. You can stop. It's okay. You're going to be okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I definitely understand that comedian syndrome. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's why I, I was drawn to comedy. Yeah. That's, you know, that's how I 
I felt most loved by my parents when I was able to make them laugh. Aww. And yeah. <laughs> and hi, mom and dad. Aww. Um, and so that continued on as well. Uh, that that makes a lot of sense, and I think that is like at least for me, the place I just really try to operate from a place of like giving people the benefit of the doubt when um they are when I'm like frustrated by something someone is doing, or I think they're just being like overly negative, or I see them treating other people poorly. I just try to see the situation from well you know what makes this person do that like what is their life experience or like you said you know like personality structure whatever it is of their spirituality um that that causes that in them because i don't i am definitely a person who believes that humans are inherently good Mm -hmm. um and i think that most of the time the thing that like uh, I look for the good in, in people, or at least I believe I try to. Um, so I think that goes hand in hand with this as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, even even people in your life who apparently are bad people, people mm-hmm. who are inconsiderate, people who are rude, people who are violent, murderous, mm, doesn't matter. All of that is based in... What is basically that is screaming to the universe, I don't know how to love myself. <laughs> I know I I don't know how to love myself. God, that is like that's really profound. <laughs> Imagine going through your life and everyone who is mean to you, you don't see them as attacking you. You see them as a person who is in pain who doesn't know how to love themselves. Imagine what your life would be like if you saw everybody like that. Just I don't know how to love myself. I can give you that love. Yeah. I can be that for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all we've got, man. Mm-hmm. That's the only like that's the only weapons I have. You <laughs> Love. Know? It's a really powerful it one. It's it's just like it makes it really bums me out to see someone who I know is a good person treating people poorly. Because I know that it doesn't come from a place of just like sheer, you know evil or or it's completely innocent yeah Yeah, it's a misunderstanding yeah and it's just like like you don't need to treat other people like shit just because you're treating yourself that way (laughs) yeah well yeah that's what it is and they just for whatever reason they they don't feel they're capable of loving whatever's arising in their experience Mm -hmm. and that's that's when all sorts of human conflicts get inflamed and that's that's suffering not not loving yourself is suffering yeah oh gosh yeah absolutely i I think one of the biggest um one of the biggest things for me that i've like i don't know it 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 makes me feel very um hoity-toity i don't know a better word for that but but i'm just gonna be honest i feel like there have been a few people in my past who have been like universally disliked by their whatever the group was that I was a part of Mm -hmm. with them and I have been able to um define in them from at least my experience with them that like they operate their life from a place of always being on the defensive so they're instead of just like 
trying to operate, you know, uh, uh, forward and, and positively, they just always operate from a place of, well, everyone is out to get me, mm-hmm. so I might as well just always be this abrasive presence mm-hmm. so that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a, um, it's a uh, self-preservation thing. Absolutely. You know? You're it protecting what you believe to be yourself. Right. And that's what's known as victimhood consciousness. Oh, cool. I, I wouldn't have, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that there's a specific, uh, you know, way to. Yeah, that doesn't come from the finder's course, but that that's what it is. Victimhood uh, consciousness? Victimhood consciousness, believing that that you are the victim of your circumstances, that your external circumstances dictate how you should behave, feel, and act in the world. That's victimhood consciousness. Yeah, it's just like, it is such a, and then it's just such a, it's so cyclical Mm -hmm. because someone who acts like that, people don't gravitate towards them. People, they push people away from them. Without even knowing they're doing it because the the vibration or frequency they're emanating from their being is of a lower stage. They're not going to get to better circumstances in their lives ever because what they want is is outside of their frequency range. They're saying, I really, really want these good things to happen, but oh, I'm so intense and you're yeah. not going to get to relaxation yes. and good circumstances yeah. by being miserable, by yeah. being a victim of what you see. That's yes. never going to happen. Yes. Ever, ever, I ever, ever. I think that's such, a, that's like one of the hardest things for me to see in someone else. It, and I just want to, fucking shake people like that and just say like chill out like people will like you you know yeah i can tell you something you can you can do when when you see someone complaining about their life in any way give them a compliment (laughs) because that's that's what they want yeah they don't know that's what they want yeah but what they're really their inner self is screaming for love and get by giving them a compliment to someone who's in pain, when you give someone in pain a compliment, you're saying, I can love you. That's if really you sweet. can't, I can, and it's okay. And it's remarkable the effect it has on you. If mm-hmm. you go through your life not looking to fix people, letting them have their experience. Yeah, that's been something that I've had to kind of like come to terms with is that like, you can't fix someone else. Only they can fix themselves. Right. And you can't fix someone else because in your experience, they don't exist. (laughs) Yeah. You can only experience, like I was saying, this cup that is myself that Uh is apparently outside of my body and mind. You are myself outside of this body and mind. Uh I have never experienced Mary Beth. Yeah. You have experienced Mary Beth. I've experienced my story of Mary Beth. Sure. My individualized perception of you sure. is all I've ever experienced of you. I've never experienced you. Only you have. Yeah. And that's the case for everybody. And that's why we get in so much trouble trying to fix people because yeah. there is nobody else. Yeah. There's only you and your experience and directly. That, is, that goes back to, um, um, I know this because I've talked to a friend about it who <laughs> is like yourself a bit more... Um, uh, like spiritually uh, aware, I think is probably a good way to put it. He's also someone who really um, appreciates self betterment and strives towards it, especially because he's someone who 
uh, existed in a bunch of fucking mud for a long time. Yeah. Um, and one now mud he's is great. <laughs> one of the best like humans that I know that I get to interact with on a daily basis. And it's because he saw what the shit looked like and he grew out of it. Yeah. You know? And he's no longer a victim of the mud. He's the master gardener. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, he and like he defined a lot of that in the same conversation as um, codependency, mm-hmm. as dependence and, and codependence, and uh, like recommended a book on on a lot of that like uh, uh, definition of people. Um, that like you know, there's only there's only so much that a codependent can try to do for someone who is a dependent, and like until they recognize that it's <laughs> out of their hands, it's just yep. gonna drive a codependent absolutely insane. Absolutely, yeah, because if you're looking to fix someone, what you're really trying to do is fix yourself, but yes. you're doing it, you're do going about <laughs> it backwards. You're going out about it from the outside oh, in. You're that's saying exactly what he said. <laughs> you're saying if that person is treats me better or if that person is happy, then I can be happy. Mm-hmm. That will never work ever. It's Y'all never worked. Fucking listen to this man. <laughs> like if you are unhappy with your relationship with someone in your life and you are trying to go about it by like telling them what they're doing wrong to you and not bettering the way that you handle how they, you know, like, you know, day-to-day treatment of yourself and not treat yourself with enough respect to, you know, make that better a better aspect of your life i guess is the easiest way to say it then you're fucking missing the point like you're missing it's never gonna get better here's the here's a nice metaphor you can go around all day giving people medicine or you could take the medicine you prescribed (laughs) yourself yeah if you think that other people should love you more you should love you more if you think other people should be nicer to you you should be nicer to you. Yeah. There's no there's no other way around it. You can, I mean, feel free to spend the rest of your life trying to change other people. It'll never make you happy and fulfilled ever. Yeah, I think that can be applied to so many aspects of people's lives. Like your job life, mm-hmm. your relationship, love life, your, you know, general social life, like, I I think so many people put up with what their lot is because they think that they're it that's as good as it gets. And I'm here to tell you it is not. <laughs> it is not a, it's only it's only gets better. It only gets better from when when you understand that you are the solution you're looking for, that you are the love you're looking for, it only gets better. Every everything in your life transforms miraculously and you don't have to do a thing about it that's amazing that's really wonderful i'm really glad that that is how you feel on a like day-to-day basis and by feeling this way and sharing it with others and sharing it with myself my environment yeah people around me i am not a victim of circumstances this building that we're in could collapse right now and it'd be the greatest thing that's ever <laughs> happened to me seriously yeah meaning is everything yeah we don't realize we unconsciously believe that we are not responsible for the meanings we give things we are a thousand perspe- percent responsible nothing for has the meaning mean- if yes. we don't give it it in an infinite it. universe 
everything is equally valid, meaning it's completely benignly meaningless. Yeah. That doesn't mean, oh, it's meaningless, it's bad. No, it's meaningless. Yeah. That means you can ascribe whatever meaning you want on things. For example, if you stub your toe and you think that the only response is, God, this sucks. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. That's the meaning you're ascribing to that experience. What if, imagine you stub your toe and you went, oh my God, I live in an infinite universe. <laughs> I have no idea what, what will come of this. Perhaps this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. Maybe I'll meet the love of my life because I stubbed my toe. For an example, I recently, uh, my bike tire went out. Uh-huh. And I was grumbly, grumbly, grumbly. Yeah. And it made me take the train and have a great conversation with somebody that yeah. I never would have had a conversation with before. See, if, and if I had just focused on, oh, this is, I gotta, I have to fix my bike. Maybe I would have fixed my bike because I was so s upset at Angry. the injustice and yeah. I never would have talked to this person and met this lovely person. Yeah. And et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, man. I, this has been really great. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Thanks uh, so much. I I'm so glad this is what you chose to talk about. It's just Me been too. really. It's been nice to just like dig in. Um, we we had been talking for a little over an hour. Um, so I'll kind of try to do some wrappy up type things. Sure, sure. First of all, um, is there anything overarching in this conversation that you feel like we really haven't touched on that you feel like is pretty imperative? I mean, I've tried to kind of uh, lead it in a way that hopefully you've been able to kind of cover a lot of what you felt like you wanted to talk about. Um, well, I didn't really come in with any specific preparation. I kind of just trusted that we'd talk about what needed to be talked about. Sure. Um, I will say, if you're listening to this and you disagree with what I say, that is a thousand percent okay. That's okay. <laughs> it's really okay. Yeah. It's totally okay if this doesn't resonate with you. I'm not here to convince anybody of my truth, yeah. you know, with a capital T. And if everyone must accept my truth before, because sure. that's, again, that's changing external circumstances and being a victim. Sure. That's not, that's not what this is about. If this doesn't resonate for you, you're not, walk away. That's awesome. And enjoy yourself as best as you can. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to to put as a, not necessarily a caveat, but an additional thought. Right. And uh, also... Uh, so I appreciate that. Yeah, sure. And uh, a subsequent point, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I really want to understand what he's talking about, but oh, I just don't think I can like love everything, love everything that arises in my life. I just don't think I can. Yeah, life isn't that great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Love what you can. That's all you got to do. Just follow your heart. Love, love, love the one who really ha has no fucking clue how to love everything. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, the only other thing that I would love to like for you to speak on for a minute or two is meditation sure. in and of itself. I think that's something that um, uh, a lot of people have either like a preconceived notion about or don't even wouldn't even really know, like not even necessarily where to begin, but how to like contextualize that. Uh, can you speak to a little bit of like what the presence of meditation has had in your life? Well, 
I would say that meditation in its essence, like I was talking about improvisation earlier, how improvisation is a microcosm of our experience. Mm -hmm. Meditation is a microcosm of the way that an awake being approaches their entire life on or off the cushion to use that metaphor. I didn't don't don't use a cushion. (laughs) Basically. Sure. So if you approach meditation as an activity you do and you do it really well and then you get off the cushion and everything's magic, that's not going to work for you. Meditation is accepting what arises in your field of experience and letting it come and go. And that's basically the essence of it. You don't need to do special postures or there's a lot of dogma about meditation that gets really confusing and uh, is unhelpful to many people. And that's why meditation can be a frustrating uh, practice because we don't know if it's actually helping us because there's so much wind in the air. But basically meditation is loving what shows up in your experience and the way you love what shows up in your experience is giving it your full undivided attention. Cool. And that's, yeah, I mean, there's obviously there's tons of different modalities of meditation, but that's essentially what the aim of meditation is. Cool. Um, I should consider trying to do something. I've never really, I've done a little bit, um, very like short little sessions just as like relaxations and like, um, nappies. (laughs) Um, and it's worked really well. Like when I've done things like that in the past, when I've just felt like I needed to like, needed some extra help like getting to sleep or um just like feeling a little too overwhelmed and wanting to uh not focus on that um but that's been very minor and I feel like it all the things that you described are positives about it I think that I could probably use a little more of yeah there's um at meditation if it's if it's I guess if it's taken too seriously, if anything is taken too seriously, it's not going to be helpful. Sure. If it, if it's rigidly dev- adhered, if to adhered to as a, I must do this to get to a certain outcome, a.k.a. external circumstance in my life. Sure. Then I will never be happy. Relax. Sure. Meditation is relaxation and concentration in harmony. Sure. Basically. And it's not a space where you go to punish yourself. Relaxation and concentration and harmony. Mm-hmm. That, uh, what a, another, that's another really great, like, pull for pull, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you put that on the, the Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I would never think about it like that. Because um, you kind of, I feel like those two words aren't necessarily always uh, in conjunction. Right. But on the level of our awareness pure awareness totally relaxed totally concentrated at all times that's awesome because that's just the that's the natural state of the space that we occupy it's awake it's aware it's relaxed it's loving it's here it's sure focused that's great uh cool thank you that um i just wanted to like i just don't think that it's a I just think it's an easily like stigmatized thing or not really understood thing. Um, so I just wanted to let someone who, um, you know, has had a great experience with it kind of um, expound upon it. Uh, cool. So 
the final question I'll get to here is uh, how do you feel like your love of and um, knowledge of and passion for general human well-being and your own uh, well-being has affected you both creatively and uh, just your life in general? <sighs> Big questions. Uh, yeah. I know. That's a good one. It's juicy. Um, how is it not? <laughs> yeah, sure. I have discovered that well-being, happiness, fulfillment, whatever you want to call it, is the reason we're here. There's no other reason to be here other than to love yourself and everything within yourself because that is yourself. Loving yourself in the egoic sense is, oh, I only take care of myself. I only take care of my family. I only take care of my identifications. I don't take care of strangers. I don't take care of, of people who could hurt me. Mm -hmm. But how can you be hurt by something that's within you already. Sure. How can you be hurt by something that is you? Mm -hmm. It's impossible, you know, like this body will die someday. This mm -hmm. body will come and go. But within myself, my everything. So there's not really a fear of death, really, unless I, unless I really focus and oh, my body and, uh, you know, the then go back to this identification of this little. Dark nights of little the soul. The dark nights of the soul. But awareness can't die because awareness was never created. <laughs> <laughs> How can something that was never born die? Yeah. It's impossible. And that doesn't make any sense to our minds. Yeah. And it's not supposed to. Right. Because who we are is beyond our minds. Who, are, who we are cannot be put into a theory, can't be put into a little box, can't be put into a little mental story. It's impossible. All stories arise within what we are. Cool. That's awesome. I think that's a great, succinct little uh, answer to it. How do you feel like that influences you like when you step on a stage to improvise? Uh, um, Just out of curiosity yeah. because it's something that you've spoken to a little. Well, I started the improv thing before all this spiritual stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Um and I improvised in the midst of it before I was a finder. Sure. As opposed to a seeker. And mm -hmm. that experience was still very much like, I need to control what happens somehow. I need to sure. get a certain response from my audience. Sure. In order to feel a certain way, to feel like I'm accomplished improviser. I need to somehow, like I had a fear for a long time because I heard this myth that all stories fall away when you become fulfilled and happy. Interesting. Because the whole thing about, um, you may be familiar with this, uh, in the small sense of I, your mind is constantly chattering, right? Mm -hmm. It's constantly comparing, judging, sure. all sorts of things. Sure. And it's the narrative self. Basically. I was going to say narrating. The narrator. And what happens with um, f uh, fundamental well-being is that largely falls away. For some people... Um, on the further ends of the continuum, uh, there's almost no internal diet monologue wow. whatsoever. They go through life um, and only think thoughts that are absolutely pertinent to that moment. Wow. And nothing else. There's no, oh, did she, he or she like me? Did the wow. Oh, my goodness. Did, did this happen? Oh, my God. I got to compare myself. All this sorts of stuff. So I was worried that because improv improvisation is storytelling, right? Sure. I was worried oh, if I lose interest in stories, then how am I going to improvise? Yeah. 
the, a little side note that doesn't happen. You can still <laughs> improvise <laughs> if you are awake. It's okay. Uh-huh. You're gonna be fine. Uh-huh. Um, that's not something that should uh, dissuade you from pursuing uh, happiness and well-being if you're an improviser. Um, in fact, since all of this has happened, my um, every time I step on a stage, like I said, it's a celebration of infinite potential. That's that's how I view improvisation now. It is a joyous celebration of infinity. That's awesome. So, do you feel like you've markedly been improvising better? Um, I've noticed an energy lately. Cool. Because once you don't care what happens, oh, and you yeah. just <laughs> exude the joy of improvising with yes. your friends, then yes. even if nobody laughs, you still have that vibration you still have that energy and it doesn't doesn't matter at all man there is so much truth to that if you can get past the the idea of of thinking that any of that matters that is the you're gonna be the best improviser that you can be yeah (laughs) at least in my experience absolutely and there are definitely situations where it's really hard to separate that thought from your own you know, performance, but certainly it's at least a good place to start. Yeah. That's where I figured that, uh, that would go. So I was sorry for prodding a little. Of course. Of course. Um, yeah, that was, I was really glad that I suddenly didn't lose an interest in improvisation because I'm very passionate about improvisation. And another thing that's a myth about awakening is that you lose desires. Weird. You lose passions for life. Yeah. And that is um, completely false. I would think it would be the exact opposite. It is the exact opposite. Um, uh, there's a lot, in a lot of spiritual circles, there is this notion that desire is the root of all suffering, right? I desire, therefore I suffer. That is not true. That is absolutely not true. The only thing that can cause you to suffer is if you believe that what you desire is somehow not here. And what I mean by that is that if you say want a relationship or whatever Mm. and you say to yourself, well, I don't have it in my external circumstance. Therefore, A, I'm not worthy of it. B, I shouldn't want it. C, it's bad to want it. I did all those, by the way. (laughs) This is why I can give this list. Sure. That's my whole inferior trip. But it's. That's not the problem. The problem is saying, well, that is the problem, (laughs) excuse me, saying that we're not worthy of our desires because they're not here. They are here because now is the only thing that is. Sure. Everything that has ever existed exists now. Sure. And that doesn't compute to our little brains. Right. But that's, that's just how it is because we've never experienced something called future. We've never experienced something called past. Therefore, everything that's here has already been here for eternity. Sure. There's, there's, so to say, like, I desire a relationship and I'm not worthy of it just isn't very true. It doesn't feel very good because mm-hmm. it's not true. It doesn't feel good in your body to say that to yourself because it's not an accurate reflection of how creation is set up to say, I desire this, but it's not here because it is. It's just maybe not in your present exact circumstances the way you've defined it in the past but it is here sure you just have to resonate with with that and trust that your desires are here for a good reason they're here to connect you to your divinity to your higher self if you want to call it that 
Sure. And they're not to be pushed down. Ignored. And, mm, and <laughs> oh man, your desires hate being ignored. <laughs> your desires hate it. You can push them down and they will just, mm, <laughs> they will push harder, harder, harder until you finally are like, okay, take me, consume me. <laughs> I, I, I want nothing but you desire. And then at that point, the thing is, we think that if we give into our desires, we're going to act really un- irresponsibly. We're mm-hmm. going to hurt people. You know, we, there's a feeling like if I get what I want, I'm going to hurt people. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case if you understand that you are everybody. Mm. If you are the, an integral part of the whole, which is a big thing in improv, mm-hmm. strangely enough. Sure, sure. If you are vital yeah, to... Yeah, they teach entire classes on that at I.O. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and if you're, if you're a vital part of the whole, then what you desire truly deeply in your heart is of benefit to the whole. There's no way around it. If you are separate from the whole, if, you, if there's this thing called you and this thing called the whole, and you desired things, yes, your desires would be out of alignment with the whole. But you are everything. A part of it. You're a yeah. part of it. You are a part of it, and you're all of it at the same time. So by following your desires, your passions, what excites you, what invigorates you, what brings you joy, you are contributing. Doing that to your everything. Yeah, you're, you're giving that permission for everybody to do that as well, and everyone's benefiting. That's fucking great, man. That's that's MBSing. That's MBSing. That's MBSing because that's that's all I want is just for someone to bring a thing that they are passionate about to me and thus to anyone who decides to be a part of it. Uh, this has been really great. Yeah, thank, thank you so you much. Thank you so much. It's uh, been an honor. Oh, it was an honor for me too. Uh, the thing that I say at the end of it every. Uh, show but i think is especially pertinent here after our conversation is that when i love you and i mean that mm, i love you too mm, we did it <laughs> love baby oh and uh, one final message um to anyone listening to this mm, may you be so happy may you may you be uh, overflowing with with abundance and fulfillment and joy and peace and everything you've ever desired and wanted in your entire life you are worthy of it it's okay you're beautiful you're magnificent honor that today in yourself and even if you can't love yourself love the one who can't love yourself amen amen This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.